On this week's episode of Maiden Voyage, we're welcoming Mary-Kate Spires, an award-winning digital marketing consultant, integrated marketing expert, and blogger and speaker. Known as the goal-oriented marketer, Mary-Kate's approach to digital marketing is guided by one core belief, don't spend money on marketing if you don't measure KPIs. Women face unique challenges, from glass ceilings at work to everyday personal stressors. The Maiden Voyage podcast covers it all, offering tips and tricks for overcoming your struggles. While this lady-hosted podcast focuses heavily on women's issues, it's relevant for anyone who values self-improvement, equality, and badass inspiration. We all navigate this journey together. Welcome aboard. Mary-Kate, we're so happy to have you here. Welcome to this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We're stoked to chat. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, um, Mary-Kate, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of information about your background? I know that you've been using HubSpot for a very long time, and over the years, you've developed this integrated marketing approach through your use of the tool um, and understanding of your client's needs. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just like you, Julie, I was using HubSpot before it was really a thing, Um, so have gotten to grow with it. Um, I've been using um, HubSpot and the inbound marketing approach for over 10 years now um, and have really been working with clients to hit their goals and make sure they're seeing ROI um, and results from what we're doing. And that has kind of led me into a healthcare senior living space, um, which has made me have some great experience with integrated marketing, um, much to my own chagrin. Uh, it does work. It will work all together if you do it correctly. I was very anti-print and offline anything, but uh, thanks to the industry that I've had some experience in, I have gotten to learn more. So um, we like to say that all marketing works. It's just how you use it. I love that. So for some of our listeners who are likely better versed in digital marketing than maybe traditional marketing or even this concept of integrated marketing. Can you just define it for us and what it means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, integrated marketing is really having the same message across multiple platforms. So um, I like to say that by having that brand message everywhere, you're creating a sense of brand dominance. So wherever your customer is, they're seeing your brand. And so you're top of mind, really focusing on that brand awareness, which is harder harder to measure. Um, so that is one of the reasons why I have stayed away from offline as much um, because it's harder to measure, measure and prove its success. But um, I have learned that when you put that message out everywhere, it all works together and you see your overall metrics um, increase in the long term. So that's very juicy. Um, and I think we're going to come back to that, but I know I and the rest of the team are desperate to hear a little bit more of your story and how you got where you are today. So um, we didn't share it in the introduction, in your introduction to this episode, but Mary Kate is the owner of Harley James Consulting. Um, and I know from knowing you, Mary Kate, that you left a fairly established agency as an employee to kind of have your own offshoot in life, start your own consulting company and agency. Um, and that's a big leap to take and a big life transition. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about why you made that choice? Um, and how it's been so far? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it was a big leap. It was something I wrestled with for a really long time. Uh, but I found myself caring a little too much about my clients. Um, and that doesn't always jive um, with a big agency setting. You have to really be able to you know, put your hours in and do really good work. But, you know, there's a lot of other clients that you have. And there's a lot of things that go into that when you're working for someone else. And so I was very lucky to make a lot of connections and partnerships um, through my experience. And so I did decide to go off on my own. And I probably work way more by caring too much. Um, but I will say that um, what, by being one entity, I am able to integrate myself a little bit more into my clients' um, lives and their systems and kind of get full access to all of their reporting, which really helps from a marketing standpoint. And so I, like I said, I, you know, work like crazy into it, but it's been really rewarding. I'm super happy. Um, yeah. And it's been fun. We're kind of, I'm trying to expand a little bit right now, develop some more partnerships, um, but very happy with the success and the growth. Um, it's been a, it's been a good experience. What was the scariest part? Um, the scariest part was no health insurance. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm uh -huh. married. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm married um, and was able to get that taken care of. Um, for all of you self-employed people out there or thinking who are um, thinking of becoming self-employed, let me tell you from personal experience, don't buy a house because it's the worst experience ever. If you're self-employed, you have to be self-employed for like two years of really good income to actually count that income towards buying a house. Um, and it was a traumatic experience trying to purchase a home after going to self-employment. So that, that's my like tidbit of advice to anyone who's thinking about it. Buy a house before you leave your job. Got it. So some of that unforeseen financial ripple effect, health yes. insurance, home buying. Yes. And a little bit of the self-motivation. Um, is a little scary just because, you know, when you get up in the morning, if you don't want to work right away, you don't have to because you're not, you're answering to clients, but you're not answering to an immediate boss. Um, but I think that's where the passion factor lies in because you get out of bed and you're excited to work on your clients. So that hasn't been, I was worried about that, but it hasn't been a huge thing. And honestly, when I get burned out, I just, you know, take like the afternoon of a Wednesday off and some Netflix and refresh a little bit. Ooh, what are you watching on Netflix right now? So I said Netflix, but I'm actually in this weird dark hole of really old reality TV. Um, I just recently, oh. I know, <laughs> I just recently finished uh, Project Runway and now I'm watching like 2004 America's Next Top Model. Oh, you're in the archives. I'm like really deep in the trash TV of a long time ago and it's awesome and the fashion was horrendous and I'm I'm so here for it. Oh, that is a that is a great tip. Spark <laughs> yes. story. Um well I know we have a lot of questions about integrated marketing. Um one of the things that you said um, when you were defining it earlier was that it's really hard to measure, but you kind of see the ripple effect of your offline efforts in everything else that you do, right? So um, when you're thinking about campaign measurement and kind of branding messaging measurement across all these platforms, how do you know what data points you need to track and what you need to look at? Yes. So um, 
currently, I really look at leads. Um, I know all marketers can understand that everyone only cares about leads. Um, we obviously love customers as well, but we get to help, we get sales to help us with that. So I really focus on conversion rates and leads. Um, if I'm seeing a ton of traffic come to a website, the traffic has increased, but the conversion rate is starting to go down, then maybe the traffic I'm driving isn't very qualified. And so I need to rethink, you know, what ads I have out there or where I'm putting ads so that I can get more qualified traffic to my site to eventually get leads. Um, and I really look at overall leads, not just digital leads, not just phone calls, not offline leads, um, because in theory, you should be able to see your overall leads go up um, because someone could just walk in the door and you don't, you unfortunately won't know, you know, if they saw your billboard or they saw your um, print ad. But if you, you know, have a 10% increase overall leads, you're doing something right. Right. And in fact, all of those things that you're doing might be driving that one person to come into the, in the door. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've talked about it a ton. People don't just make a decision the first time they see something. They are researching, um, they're Googling, they're flipping through magazines. You need to be where the, your potential customers are so that when they are ready to make that decision, you're the first person that they think of. Um, again, it goes back to that brand dominance and really just being there when people people need you. And it's just like digital marketing, um, paid PPC ads. They might not contribute to that exact lead, but someone may have actually clicked on the PPC ad and then Googled you six months later. Um, so it really is all working together. I actually have a question, Mary Kate. I love what you said that you don't know was potentially bringing someone in that door, but you are really big on tracking and how that kind of domineers your decision-making. And so do you have like set systems I imagine in place that if X, you know, Jane Doe walks in the door, are we asking how she heard about us? Like, how can you reflect on that foot traffic towards your efforts of continued marketing support? Yes. So it is like integrated in general hurts my heart because it's not as easy to track. And I care so much about analytics and what's working because that's my favorite thing about digital. I can attribute exactly what happened. Um, and with HubSpot, I have all of the data points right in their contact record and everything's great and life is easy. Um, but especially with B2C, it doesn't always work like that. You know, people do walk in the door. And so, you know, depending on what you're doing, it's always great to ask someone, um, you know, where, how they heard of you. I just recently went to the chiropractor and that was on my intake form. You know, how did you, who can we thank for you knowing about us? So that's a great way to capture that. Um, and hoping that you have the people in the on the ground are actually capturing that information for you. But in the case that you can't, I am obsessed with call tracking. I use call tracking for all of my offline efforts and it is what I, use as kind of sam sample data to determine if something is really successful or not. Can you Tell define more. that? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep, proceed. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. So I use um, CallRail. I love them over there. So I'm going to give them a shout out. Um, but it is a, that we have the tools so that we create tracking numbers for everything we do. Um, we also use them on our website so that we can track source data. Um, but so for a print ad, we'll have one tracking phone number 
for that, whereas a flyer, we might have another tracking phone number. So if someone calls that number, you are able to determine that it came from that piece of content. Um, what I love about CallRail is they have actually have um, an AI where they'll listen to the call and you can put in specific keywords um, like sales or pricing or something like that. Um, so that they can determine whether or not it was a qualified lead. Um, in the senior living industry, you get a lot of phone calls about a lot of different things. So you can't try, you can't count all of those phone calls. Um, so it's really nice to be able to get that qualified thing. Um, it'll just have a little check mark or a thumbs up next to it. It's amazing. I love that you can utilize an AI within the call tracking to help towards your overall metrics. Like that is really cool. That's a great tip. I did not know that was a thing. I love it. It is amazing because I'm also the nerd who will sit there and listen to all the phone calls, um, which is not the best use of your time, but to be able to just like quickly see if something was qualified, that's when it's time to renew ads. That's the first thing I go look at is I go and see how many qualified leads that it, um, generate. Oh, I remember where my train of thought was. You also might, um, <laughs> see that you might, see that, uh, I lost it again, someone Googles your number. And so you don't have that exact tracker tracking. So it's not perfect, but again, it's that sample data to really understand if something's working or not. And especially at least in senior living, calls are just so vital um, because when it's an urgent need, people are more likely to pick up the phone. So Mary-Kate, one of the things that you've said a couple of times is especially in senior living, especially in senior living. And I know this healthcare senior living space is the area where uh, I guess it's your primary industry of focus for your um, consulting company right now. Um, how do you know what the right offline tactics are for an industry? Testing. I am the biggest biggest fan of testing, which is harder and offline. That's again why I lean towards digital. Um, I really like focusing on the local market and understanding where the potential customer is. Um, it's, you know, sometimes you don't know. I'm working um, to go into a new market. I have absolutely no idea what could be a potential print opportunity there. And so we're utilizing the local market and the resources that we have there to um, figure that out. And, you know, that could be by surveying, that could be asking um, your existing customers or leads, how they found you. There's a lot of way to, ways to get that information. You could almost think of it as another extension of your buyer persona process and understanding where they are offline as well as online. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I, I guess like, and kind of veering off on the testing uh, point is that whenever you're entering a new market and you are doing a bunch of testing, how do you get your clients to buy into the fact that this is a test? It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hard question. And that's a hard thing to do. Um, so how I personally do it is I don't like to spend a lot of money to test. I like to find, which is a little harder for offline. It is typically more expensive. An example for that is I love doing HOA newsletters. Um, they're usually really inexpensive to advertise in and they're very targeted. I always try to find print opportunities that are as targeted as possible. Obviously with a background in digital, 
we have much more capability of targeting from a digital standpoint than we do from a print standpoint. So I try to bring that digital targeting as much as I can into the offline space. And so by having a smaller investment, it makes people a lot more open, open to testing. I do not go to people and ask them to test cable TV ads. Right. I usually steer clear of those. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Thank you for that, for that tidbit. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually just going to jump again because there is, it's kind of uh, veering off on the same road is the whole campaign measurement in general. Whenever, because obviously you talked a little bit about having the tracking um, call phone numbers. I know you can do customized like um, links to like landing pages on like print ads. You know, like what's that, where do you draw the line in everything offline that you're trying to track digitally? That's a good question. I will say, you know, I, I try to focus on the bigger, the bigger things, right? Like if you've got 800 flyers going out, you're not going to make a different tracking URL for every flyer. But also that's probably a little bit smaller of investment. You can get 100 flyers for $75, whereas an ad might cost you more in the $300 to $400 range. So I kind of look at it per an investment standpoint of really focusing on the bigger investment and understanding if that's truly working. Because with print, things renew. And when it comes time for renewal, the first thing anyone is going to ask you is, should we keep doing this? Is there value in this? And it's super important to be able to say yes or no. Yep. That makes sense. Focusing on the bigger stuff. So in the industry that you are working in, I think that print is and I'll call offline marketing is probably where they were before you got there, I would imagine, right? Like in that space, did you find it challenging to, cause you probably had to convince them more on the digital marketing efforts. Um, and like, I obviously can, can sell the value of digital marketing efforts cause that's my job, but I'd love to hear how you kind of on that mindset to somebody who was very traditionally like flyers, radio, TV, like real strong offline. And you're like, well, hold on, let's go to Facebook. Like, how did that even work for you? So thankfully there are some uh, people that I work with, especially uh, for one client that have spearheaded that effort. So I got to kind of come in and ride on those coattails. But honestly, it's a discussion every day of why aren't we doing radio? This ad salesperson called me and says I should be doing radio and it sounds like a good idea. Um, and I, I really take it back to going where your customer is. And thankfully now, like Facebook, for example, my grandma's on Facebook. And so it's a lot easier to be able to say like, okay, well, you know, you're on, if you have an, you know, older, generation um, in, in leadership or on the sales side of things, which isn't always the case. Um, but it's pretty easy to say like, okay, you're potentially the target market. Where are you? How, where do you spend your time? And kind of get focusing on, you know, where that um, customer is because I've been wrong uh, plenty of times. <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes the customer isn't on Facebook. And you have to adjust and you have to pivot that. And I mean, 
people spend a lot more time at home now. So, right. um, you know, everyone says direct mail is going to make a comeback. I hate direct mail. I hate everything uh, about it. Yeah. Um, but I get really excited when I get mail. So I kind of understand why it might work. <laughs> I can say a lot about that. But what I'll ask <laughs> instead is, <laughs> um, so what I'm hearing you say is that really understanding your ideal customer profile is really where it all begins. Like that is your baseline. It sounds like when you go into an organization is like buyer persona, ICP, because like, let's be honest, most times the people who are enrolling in senior living facilities aren't making the decision to do so on their own. Somebody of a younger generation is pushing them, which like, I get it. Like I, I'm in this world, I get it. Um, but do you have like, I find it sometimes challenging to convince, as Carissa was saying, a client to lean into the six week, the four week, the whatever week long challenge of understanding your ICPs and really building that out and seeing value in that money. Cause that ROI is not happening immediately. Yes. And that is, a, it's going to be hard with any client. It truly is. But you know, it's kind of one of those things where when you stop and you take some time to truly understand what you're doing, it's going to be more successful and you're going to see better ROI. I mean, we all know that on the phone right now. Um, and I think, you know, maybe even just equating that to the product or, you know, did you just have the idea and then start selling it? Or did you spend some time and figure out what was going on? Um, you know, someone else already doing this and really understanding it and even looking at your competitors. Do you think that they just, you know, started running Facebook ads yesterday, targeting people they think are working. Um, and I mean, and unfortunately, if they don't do that, it's probably not going to be successful and you never want that to happen for someone, but it does turn into that like, okay, well you can do this, but you aren't going to see as great of success. You're risking your ROI. And that leads you to like this awesome question that we have here. So what's one campaign that you like swore wouldn't work that actually ended up being super successful? We have this billboard. I can't wait for this. <laughs> billboard? I hope no one ever hears this. Um, we have this billboard. We're going, and... They're going to hear this, Mary Kate. <laughs> so we didn't see, I was so to the nails against this billboard. I can't even tell you. Blue in the face, do not do a billboard. Billboards are so expensive. And to this day, I will say we had a lot of other things going on as well as the billboards. So it might not have been fully the billboard, but so we had, we had this full integrated campaign and the numbers just shot up on digital, right? As we launched the same message everywhere, like we've been talking about. And when the billboard went away, the numbers went down. And so not enough to, you know, reinvigorate the billboard because it, we weren't able to prove as much ROI. So I won't say like I was wrong, but uh, it definitely got some brand awareness out there. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine there's a time and a place for a billboard, like launching a new community, entering a new marketplace, but like a billboard for a billboard's sake is way too expensive when it can't be defined strategically as like the best use of our money. Let me tell you how much I hate billboards. My poor husband, every time we pass a billboard, like size, because I analyze the billboard and explain to him exactly what is wrong with it and why they shouldn't have spent money on that and could have put that exact money into digital efforts. 
Um, but I will say anything impulse buy, totally get a billboard. You know how many times I stopped at McDonald's because there was a billboard while I was um, on the highway? Like that's a good use of money. Exactly. So I have to get the, that Diet Coke. Exactly. So all marketing works. It's just, you know, making sure that it's going to do what you want it to do. But yeah, Mary I have a billboard thing. Was that term you just used mall marketing? <laughs> Tell me more. Wait. No, all marketing works. Oh, I thought you were like mall marketing works. I was like, really? What's mall? Mar I love malls. What is mall <laughs> marketing? Where do I buy more? Can I buy things? How do I buy more things? Hey, we Mary actually Kate. tried signs in a mall. <laughs> oh, well, Jackie's from New Jersey. So she knows a thing or two about a mall. Oh, yes. When I went to visit Julie, um, we went to a mall. That was yeah. like an outing that we did. Yeah, <laughs> malls everywhere? Our malls not yes. everywhere. No, they are. They very much are. But like, that's just what we did. We just, actually, I think we went to two different malls. We well, that's just what we malls. do in New Jersey is go to malls, right? Yeah. Right. But it's, it's that's true. In Florida, they don't have <sighs> malls. They have like strip malls. Like it's outside mall. Like what do you do when it's raining? Yeah, we have some of those. We have both. Where are you? I'm sorry, Mary, I'm in, where are you? Where are you I located? am in Columbia, South Carolina, where oh, it's hotter okay. than everything, than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, so for a company that is doing primarily digital right now, and they're not really doing any sort of like offline tactic, what's one that you would say across the board is a good idea to try an offline tactic to see if it would work? So I would say depending on, it's going to be so different across industries because it really is about finding where your customer is, but the more targeted you can be, the better. So I talked about the HOA newsletters already, um, but the more you can feel comfortable that you're getting in front, which unfortunately totally lends itself to direct mail um, because you are able to purchase lists. Be careful about purchasing lists though. There are some not so good lists purchase. I've learned that recently. Um, there's not some not so good companies out there. So partner with a good list company. Um, but I, I prefer to invest in something I feel relatively um, good about getting in front of my potential customer instead of that, just like, like a billboard, um, just casting a huge net and hoping that your target customer walks in the door. Nice. Yeah. I like that newsletter suggestion. That sounds I love doing them. They're so affordable. And I think, you know, there's obviously with senior living, we target active aging communities, um, which makes total sense. But I can imagine you know, real estate agents, I can imagine a ton of um, other industries that that would work for too. And like I said, it's, I, since like part of me still hates um, offline, it makes me feel better to spend less money on it and then prove it works and then invest more. <laughs> You make such a compelling argument for the thing that you love so much, Mary Kate. I do, I know, I know. It's just, it's one of those things that like I'm still, I would still start with digital. And then I think from an integrated standpoint, you really have to look at it more from a, from if you need brand awareness. If brand awareness mm -hmm. is one of your main goals and putting out that brand authority, that brand dominance, that's when integrated is really going to work for you. Uh, but you know, you have to have your system to do something with that brand awareness, right? Like you, I'm ne I never promise getting customers from an offline um, campaign, but I am going to, you know, we're getting the word out. We're getting that brand awareness out. Um, so that's really how I look at it, um, which is why I'm like, so uh, 
about it just because I love lead generation and being able to prove exactly how much money I made you and all that great stuff. Um, but you can't discount the brand awareness because no one yeah. knows about you. They're not coming. They're not Googling you. They're not doing anything. <laughs> right. And if your customers are evaluating their options online, if you don't have a digital presence, if you don't have the website or the Facebook page or the review site directory listing, whatever that is, wherever they're looking, that digital component is going to come back to bite you. So it's, it's kind of like, um, to me, it seems like how we think about retargeting ads, right? Like you can run retargeting ads, but they're more to keep you top of mind and to be helping with your brand awareness than they are to drive traffic and leads to your website. Absolutely. I, yes, I totally equate display advertising with offline advertising. That could be a whole blog post. It, oh, it, it could be. Is display advertising offline advertising? Whew. That, I, that's how, that, I mean, when you think in that standpoint, because it's really important, anything you do should be tied back to a goal. And so if your goal is to generate more leads and low-hanging fruit, is brand awareness really going to do that for you? Or is your you know, goal to build that brand awareness so that you get more leads eventually. Maybe it's both. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's so important about what you want the end result to be before you decide mm -hmm. the tactic. So good. So good. Dibs, dibs on that blog. Do it. We'll co-author it. <laughs> Mary Kate, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm afraid I'm going to freeze up, but let's do this. How did you name your company? Uh, it's named after my dog, Harley James. He's a Morky, six pounds. Super cute. Where is he right now? Downstairs. My husband's on the naps, on the couch sleeping and he, Fine. yeah. Fine. I know. This one might be really hard. Beer, wine, or liquor? Beer. All right, I guess it was easy. I mean, alcohol, thought. but beer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, um, should I, should I spoil the liquor option? No, you no, you don't have, you, you can. What was it? Diet Mountain Dew and, um, and vodka? Was that you? Diet Mountain Dew and vodka. Um, when I was younger, one of my friends said it tastes like Mary Kate in a cup. <laughs> I don't know um, what that means. so nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to like round robin the rest of these? Okay. Or just, or just me. Yeah, go. Um, what's your Briggs Myers personality type? Oh, I never know this one. I'm like INFJ. Oh, me too. Yes, that's what it is. And then everyone gives me a hard time because they say they say I'm not introverted. So there's debate on that one. <laughs> In different ways, it really does. <laughs> Who's your favorite celebrity? Right now, I'm obsessed with Maren Morris. She's a country singer. Right now? That's not right a long-term obsession? I mean, it's been a while, but... Um, I, I like have tough time with the favorite situation just because I like a lot of things. Hogwarts house. Oh, go. What's your biggest pet peeve? My, big, my biggest pet peeve. The biggest pet peeve. I have so many pet peeves <laughs> and like Julie knows, but I have finally figured out that they all, they all come down to one single thing. And it's when people do not care about how their actions affect other people. That is That's big. big. And it's deep, but That's like popping your gum. They're usually like chewing with their mouth open. You're like, <laughs> well, when people are dick bags, that is my pet peeve. <laughs> well, cause like if you're in public popping your gum, you do not care how that is affecting other people around you. 
or when you stand too close to someone like all of the things that bother me kind of like boil down to like you don't care about other humans and how they feel wow there's like the really deep I'm going to take that and I'm going to use that as personal feedback, even though you don't know me, because I do like all the things you said. So, <laughs> Ooh. so like, even my three-year-old is like, mommy, stop doing that with your gum. So oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I have that disorder that like you get really angry when someone like, um, chews loudly or like, yeah. I, I, it like, like my skin. Yeah, 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 that's a real thing. No, that's a that's a real thing. It's crazy. It made me feel better. It was it was very validating. <laughs> so, on a more positive note, Hogwarts house. Oh, I know this. I'm Slytherin. I know. We'll allow it. <laughs> Too much ambition. Mac or PC? Mac. Not even a question. Um. Power. Oh, go ahead. Superpower. I think teleportation. I'm not big on like driving or really traveling. I, I like to travel. I just am not really in the whole getting there part of it. What gets you into trouble? <laughs> um, ugh. Probably my mom, actually. <laughs> It's gonna say my face, but probably my mother, because most of the things that I get in trouble with, we're t- when we're together, it's uh, it's a crazy time. <laughs> that. What's your favorite What's for- Disney movie? Disney movie, uh, Beauty and the Beast. What's for dinner? I don't know. That's a good Who's question. Who's cooking dinner? I don't. I I will probably go out somewhere because, oh, okay. like, I mean. We don't cook very, we don't do a whole lot of cooking in this house. I think we went out last night too. <laughs> What's the last book you read? I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. That's sad. I really need Ooh. to be better about reading. Hey, I read what this, book do you want to read? Um, oh, everyone says that where the crawdads sing are really good. Um, I try to read, I've, I, I think I like reading mystery books and like the thrillers and stuff. That's what gets me a little bit more excited than um, all of the marketing and personal help stuff I should be reading. Um, But I did, I think the last book I actually read was the sequel to you, which is called hidden bodies. Um, If you haven't watched you on Netflix, you definitely should. So good. So good. So (laughs) creepy. There's a book and the book is the book is probably the first season is about as good as the book but the second book is better than the second season. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give to any marketer listening to this podcast today? Test something before putting everything into it, um, especially when it's something new. Start small, see if it works, and then roll with it. And don't, be a, don't feel bad if it doesn't work. Not, every, not everything is a million-dollar idea. It's okay. Love that. Um, where can we find you and your company online? Yeah, absolutely. So my company is Harley James Consulting at harleyjamesconsulting.com. Um, I love to chat. So please hit me up on social. I have um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Mary Kate with a C people. 
um, Spires. <laughs> I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm the only person with that name, so uh, you can look me up. Um, and then I also am on Instagram as the goal-oriented marketer. And then um, Mary Kate at Harley James Consulting, too, if anyone ever has any questions. I, like I said, I love to chat. I love talking about marketing. Fantastic. Well, Mary Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure to have your delightful Southern accent on the podcast and to learn more about integrated marketing um, and why you're a Slytherin. And um, that beer is actually your current go-to drink. It is. So true joy. Can't, you can't, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here just for you guys. It's the best. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Sadly, that'll do it for this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We'd like to thank you, our amazing listeners, because let's face it, lady life is hard. It's incredible how much we accomplish every day, and we all deserve awards just for existing. If you're watching the show, make sure that you subscribe, click on that thing for instant notifications, speak your mind in the comments, and share us with your fellow voyagers.